You're listening to Double Exposure with Sophia Lemon and Petro, a photography podcast on both the creative aspects and business side of photography. Join the conversation on Facebook at Double Exposure Show Group. And here's Petro and Sophia. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Double Exposure Show with Sophia and myself, Petro, episode 19. You can find the show notes for this episode on doubleexposure.show slash episodes slash 19 and join the conversation with us and the rest of you on the <laughs> Double Exposure Show group on Facebook. Yeah. Join the conversation with each other. <laughs> we'll be there looking. and I mean, watching. Wait, what? Well. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, we'll get involved too. Reading. That's it. What, what day is it today? I don't know. <laughs> it's Friday. Honestly, yesterday I thought it was Monday. It happens in our careers, <laughs> professions. Um, I don't know. We're not really slaves to the Monday to Sunday kind of week. So this happens, right? I, um, I have to remember when Mondays are because I, I have to go to school. But other than that, <laughs> it's, you know, just, just numbers. You know, okay, I have a photo shoot on the 21st. Yeah. Perfect. You know, today's the 20th. All right, it's tomorrow. So I actually so. just changed how I'm organizing my calendar. And I am getting so much stuff done. But I feel like I'm at, like, the end of a couple weeks of getting too much stuff done that I'm just I'm exhausted. I just want to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you share with us all how you just organize your calendar to be more efficient there. Oh my goodness. So I heard on another podcast, um, they were talking about how people organize their calendars improperly. So they'll put in like, oh, I have vacation at this time. And then um, I have like, in a photographer's case, I have a shoot at this time, or I have to take the kids to hockey at this time. And these two guys were talking about how instead they organize their calendars into like increments of time. So everything that they need to do through the day. So you know that I use OmniFocus to um, organize what I'm going to do, like what I have to get done. But I was literally just putting in to-dos, to-do items, and they would all show up as due at five o'clock on that day. Um, Mm -hmm. and I found myself like doing some of the tasks and then letting myself get distracted with other tasks that I would rather be doing. So I decided to take these guys advice and change it to like, um, I am actually scheduling in increments of time now. (laughs) So like I'm putting in like photo editing time for however many hours or like working on this um, frame for however many hours or mm-hmm. um, in OmniFocus, I'm setting actual due times for tasks and assigning an estimated duration to all of those tasks. So like in my brain, when I go to do those things, I'm thinking, well, this is due at this time, so I have to get it done. And I'm getting so much more done that I would otherwise just, you know, push off. Yeah, um, because I would very... rather do something else. Wouldn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> like I did not want to go get curtains the other day, but it was in my calendar. So I went and I got curtains and good for me. It's about time, Sophia. People need curtains. Um, <laughs> speaking <want>? of... Uh... <laughs> for the studio. I was getting curtains for the studio. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Thanks. I just thought you were doing it for your neighbors. Finally, they were like, okay, that's enough. No more changing in the window. They don't live close <laughs> enough curtains. to see anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, 
advantage of is, living in the country. Why is it always that whenever you watch a movie and it's like, uh, you know, a New York uh, downtown kind of thing where somebody's living in a high rise uh, building and they're changing with the window pretty much wide open and the curtains aren't drawn and then they look across and there's a person staring at them like all surprised like uh, don't they own curtains in new york they're all other? exhibitionists <laughs> i think so too <laughs> like so. they know better so i think maybe that's just a thing in the movies or you know they, I have they're just used movies. to it yeah yeah <clears> i think so everybody always spies on each other like I'm, i'm telling you if i if i lived in a busy uh metropolis like new york or toronto where there's buildings side by each i think i would be investing in some heavy duty curtains and like double curtaining just in case i don't know so that's just me when i go to toronto i usually stay at my friend's building there's a guest condo in there which faces um this construction zone so i'm like you know getting changed <laughs> and there's all these like construction workers out there and I've, I've literally like looked out the window and be like hmm, I wonder if they could see through this window <laughs> so but back to my original point <laughs> yeah. do they have no curtains oh <laughs> uh, yeah they're <clears throat> excuse me goodness gracious yeah there's curtains okay well th then you are an exhibitionist <laughs> no uh, <laughs> not but, in the slightest <laughs> but on the actual topic what topic there's a topic uh, Well, sort of, there's sort of a topic, but uh, what you mentioned about the calendar, here's a healthy debate. What day of the week does your calendar start on? Well, <clears throat> goodness gracious. Um, my calendar always starts on Sunday. I think this conversation is now over. <laughs> We're going to wrap up the episode and We're have a nice life. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't change it. Like, I can't do it. Why? Uh, my calendar ha has to start on a Monday. Why? It, because it's the first day of the week. It makes no sense for it to start on a Sunday. <laughs> I, I don't even get the concept. Um, until I was 13 years old, I'd never even seen it because uh, growing up in Ukraine, um, well, you know, your day starts on the Monday, so we're going to put it first. You know, it's just kind of common sense. Um, It kind of works with everything, you know. When you uh, when you think about it, if uh, if you if you're in line for something and you're first, they don't just pick the person from the back and say, you know what, you go first. Well, sometimes they do. Yeah, that's that's probably because those people use calendars that start on Sunday. It just doesn't matter, doesn't make sense. Um, I'm actually really curious to know who in their right mind decided to take a day from the from the back and put it on the front. Um, I think it's something to do with psychology where people decided, you know what, um, nobody likes Mondays, so we'll just put Sunday here. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I could probably talk about this for a couple of hours, but uh, the Mondays point is, start on Monday. <laughs> yeah. I've been getting so much more done. And you know how I normally take a nap in the afternoon? Yeah. Um, I haven't scheduled time for a nap, so I've just been getting so much done and I'm just tired. <laughs> I don't know what to say Ugh. because I wish I, I was able to take a nap in the afternoon. I, um, I work 10 to 12 hours, uh, pretty much straight and, um, yeah, man, a 20 to 30 minute nap is amazing. Hmm. The problem is my 20 to 30 minute nap would turn into two, three hours. Yeah. But then you feel like shit when you wake up, don't you? I, I don't know. I've never tried this. I'm just, Wait, I what? just know that I can't, <laughs> you've never I had a nap. 
Well, I've had a nap, but I might must have been like eight or nine. Um, I I haven't really napped since I could remember, um, which is a good thing to do. I know that I actually recommend it to people. I always say, you know what, just take a little breather. And um, you know, I'm surrounded by sofas here, so I could always even just kind of nap on a sofa, but. Nope, just can't do it. My, my mind races too much. I have too much on my mind. Um, clients, tasks, uh, my schedule's pretty tight. Um, you know, I have, uh, it's currently about 11 a.m. and I have another call at 1 p.m. Um, so I'm always, I think in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking like, you know, I can't really take a nap because it'll just take away from my day and kind of ruin it. My, uh, my calendar is, is quite tight, you know. I allow myself time for uh, travel between places, but um, other than that, uh, it's difficult to find any, any time for anything else. And this is exactly why I'm constantly a little bit late for appointments right. and meetings. Right, yep. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Um, sure. Bec- yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> what what are you insinuating by this? <laughs> You're always late for recording. And like I was thinking about how am how am I going to like wrap my brain around this? Because I'm like, mm-hmm. Petro's not gonna be like on time all of a sudden, all of the time. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna have to start saying no, we're starting at 9 30 so that maybe he shows up on time. <laughs> <laughs> no, the problem is then I'll show up at 10. <laughs> Um, no, exactly. Like I t- so I tell you 9.30, you show up at 10, but I already know it's at 10. So you, you just show think up at it's 10. at 9.30. <laughs> so the problem then is that I'll be there at 9.30 going, where is Sophia? Well, that day. Yeah, but when uh, we record, I'm already on the computer for an hour doing other stuff. <laughs> true. So good example, uh, when I book my dentist appointment, I just went to the dentist a couple of days ago. Okay. and. Um, my dentist said, so, uh, okay, I'll see you, you know, in six months on this day at 1115. And I said, so you mean 11, right? <laughs> and she's like, no, no, 1115. I go, uh, I'm just put 1115 on your end, but tell me 11. <laughs> and she's like, you've never been late though. I said, I know because I schedule myself 15 minutes early every time. <laughs> You're on time for the dentist. <laughs> Only because in in my calendar, I'm actually scheduling at 15 minutes earlier. Sheesh. And so by then, I t- and I know this, I, the reality is that um, I just do too much. Um, I take on too many tasks and um, I don't have a problem letting go. I actually outsource a lot. Um, so it's, it's not that. It's, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I get bored easily, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, being so busy, I decided to take on this project uh, of a, a podcast. Yeah, and it honestly feels great doing it. Uh, we're getting such good feedback, and lately, people have been messaging me personally and uh, telling me, um, you know, hey, I, I I was driving. Actually, funny enough, uh, an an older acquaintance. Uh, uh, somebody that I know from a retailer I used to frequent while I worked for Olympus and uh, did the training from store to store. Um, she reached out yesterday setting, saying, I uh, would like to get some canvases done. By the way, I'm enjoying my pod, the, the podcast on my drive from Owen Sound back to London. And I'm going, you, you were in Owen Sound? You could have visited Sophia. <laughs> 
um, but uh, you know, so all these uh, all these good comments are coming in, and uh, which is great. But um, I always, you know, I copy and paste you on it all the time. Like, hey, check the, check out what somebody just said. This is awesome, and you're always like. Tell them to review us on iTunes, <laughs> which, which I agree. If you have something really nice to say about us, um, tell the world. Put it on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating because uh, other people will find out about us be, as a result. Uh, you know, the, the higher the rating, the more likely we'll get featured and uh, other people will benefit too. And that's a feel-good thing. A feel-good so, thing. <laughs> well, that, what, that's not a saying now? <laughs> Are you making fun of my English as a second language? Uh, you, um, I don't think you get to use that as an excuse anymore. <laughs> You've been speaking English for long enough. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Why did you tell people? I was perfectly fine using it as an excuse all the time <laughs> for when I have the dumb. <laughs> for when you have the dumb. <laughs> I like that. Oh, um, my goodness. The, the funny thing is English isn't even my second language or third language, but... Um, I think knowing the other three languages really helped me learn English really fast. Yeah. Because I was fluent within three to six months and uh, it was uh, it was no longer an excuse. And the funny thing is there was a lot of words I just didn't have in my vocabulary. So being being fairly young when I came to Canada, you know, when I when I started high school, pretty much um, there were words I was hearing for the first time. And I was just kind of shaking my head like, I don't know what you're saying, but I could communicate quite clearly back and forth. And. Uh, for example, the short form of uh, verses, so like the VS and the period at the end there. Um, I had no idea what that was for a couple of years. <laughs> so I thought that was actually saying with instead of verses. I was like, this is kind of confusing. Um, nobody corrected me for a long time until I saw a poster for a fight, I think, you know, like a boxing match. So-and-so versus so-and-so. And I thought, okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> so... Yeah, a little bit of a background on that. But speaking of people reaching out uh, through stuff, pers personal means of communication, yeah. We had our first <laughs> digital audio question. Yep, this is exciting. This is exciting. And this question comes from uh, Eric uh, at uh, Red Button Photography. And it's a, it's a really unique question because uh, Eric's a professional uh, photographer who's been uh, in the industry for quite some time. And um, this is a question from, I believe, a relative that uh, is looking to get into photography. And uh, basically, um, we'll let you hear it so that we can uh, answer to everyone on the air. Hi, Petra and Sophia. It's Eric from Red Button Photography. I often get asked what year should someone get who wants to get into photography whether it be for uh, business or for pleasure. And the recommendations I have are usually way over budget. What would you say would be a nice starter kit for $1,500 and under? Thanks for that question, Eric. That was awesome. Um, so what I got from there is uh, that somebody is looking for a starter kit um, 
to possibly uh, do business, but also possibly pleasure. So uh, I'm assuming that it's actually an individual who's going to use the equipment for business, but also wants to use the equipment for uh, just kind of personal projects and stuff. So this is this is actually going to help me narrow down the, the answer that I have. Um, you're, you kind of sound like a psychic right now. I'm not going to lie. Really? Yeah. <laughs> the way you're talking. <laughs> well, like, I'm going I'm to guess. Um, I'm feeling like this person, <laughs> they want to run a business. <laughs> a photography business. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's my best psychic voice. <laughs> yeah. Why do they have a list all of a sudden, Sophia? <laughs> <laughs> oh this is people are never sending questions in ever now <laughs> no that was you that was my impression of you <laughs> oh right i know as a psychic sorry you as, as a psychic, a psychic. <laughs> so well okay let me start over <laughs> no go with it it was awesome <laughs> all right um in this case um the, the budget is quite low, so and I get it because... Um, it's expensive. I mean, stuff is very expensive, right? And so I think one of the first things we do is we just go with the lowest common denominator, so to speak, in, um, in the equipment range that, we, that, that is offered to us, and we kind of tend to go for the lower-end uh, cameras. And I would actually say, uh, in this case, uh, only being given $1,500 is to hit the uh, Facebook groups and uh, uh, for sale groups on Facebook and Kijiji or whatever. Uh, maybe even consider eBay or some retailers will quite often have trade-ins, but those tend to be a little bit pricier. Um, and uh, basically find somebody who is selling something used. Um, because uh, I use Canon, uh, I'll sort of uh, give an example of a Canon setup. Um, if I was starting out today, being in business for as long as I have been, um, I would uh, look for a Canon 5D Mark II body uh, because it offers a lot of uh, exposure latitude and it offers a lot of professional features and it's not going to cost a lot because uh, we're now, you know, it's it's no longer uh, a current model. We're now on like the Mark IV, I guess. And so I believe you can find one of these bodies for around $500, $600 if they're in a great condition. Uh, and at a retailer, you can expect to pay probably eight to 800 to 1000 So a private party uh, typically even takes you know they they take really good care of these things so i'd probably recommend with finding something used in uh and i hate this term full frame but in a full frame body because Ugh. um yeah you just right. made me want to throw up <laughs> uh, i know i'm really tired of this full frame discussion me too me too so uh but for somebody out there who's been doing a lot of reading tech readings you know that's what i'm talking about <clears throat> okay um, right okay so we'll never we'll never use that We'll never use that term on this show ever, ever again, because uh, Sophia yeah. will throw things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and so then I would recommend to pick up, uh, again, probably a brand new, in this case, uh, 50 millimeter lens that will give you uh, a really good general lens, that something that you can put on the camera and use for uh, the personal, for the hobby part, right? Um, for, for pleasure. But also it's a great portrait lens uh, alternative 
to you know some of the more expensive ones and i have to admit i made a lot of money with one of those uh, uh nifty 50s that they call them um the 1.8 lenses yeah. and um it's a great setup i mean you're you you're ready to go you can photograph uh an engagement session uh, uh just a portrait session or whatever you want really it's it's a great general lens um and the other lens see based on the, my personal style of shooting where i do a lot of portraits uh, the other lens I would buy would be the 100 millimeter macro, or even look at a third-party option uh, like uh, like Sophia has. So you have a Tamron mm -hmm. 90 millimeter macro. Mm -hmm. Is that not an, an excellent portrait lens? Yeah, it is. It is right. So the focal length is amazing. The sharpness on these things is amazing. And then if you do get into photographing a wedding, you also have something really cool uh, in terms of macro shots. Yeah. You know, you can do a lot of details. And believe it or not, with those two lenses, you can get pretty far. That that will put you at about eleven hundred dollars if you do your research. Um, and there's a really cool kind of hidden gem of a lens from Canon, and it's the twenty-four to one hundred five f four. And these things you can pick up used for about $400, four to 500. So if you really work hard, you can pick up all three of these lenses and the camera body for approximately 1500 bucks. Now, I know somebody listening to this is probably gonna say, what, never, no way, that's at least gonna set you back two, two, two and a half grand. And it's not true. I did a little bit of research. Uh, I found a lot of used stuff. I actually, um, I've been kind of researching a, a secondary kit for some of my real estate um, business, and I've been looking for a, a 5D Mark II, and they're going for about five to six hundred dollars. And like I said, the rest of the stuff you can you can find online, you can find personal, and people are always willing to negotiate or even trade for things, you know. So um, that's kind of the direction I would go in. And if you had to uh, leave one of these out. I would leave the the macro out because the 24 to 105 will give you the range, you know. So that's that's how I would approach it. Um, and I think it'd be a lot better than going to a modern, uh, like a Canon Rebel, for example, because you're you're paying for new technology, but you're not paying for uh, excellent response time, excellent autofocus, excellent uh, low light uh, performance, and you're not paying for that robustness. Um, quite soon you'll find that, yes, this camera is better than good enough for everything I do, but you'll, fi you'll find yourself limited in situations where you need uh, fast response because, you know, you're like, let's say you're photographing a wedding and you just need that better, faster focus. Um, that's, that's exactly what, where a lot of these consumer uh, models fall, sh fall short. So I know one of the things we said is we're, this is not a gear kind of uh, podcast. We're not really going to discuss uh, how-tos and uh, talk a lot about gear, but this this was an excellent question because I think a lot of the people who are starting out who are listening to this, they're, pro they're starting out with their hands tied because um, they either have a very limited budget or no budget at all because they, they've never shopped for this and the reality is they don't have any money, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but you got to spend money to make money. And if you are doing this for business, um, may even consider, uh, you know, a small loan, right? Um, you, you mentioned something about a loan earlier. We were talking about other things. So what would you think about that, Sophia? Um, I think a loan can be a good choice for some people, especially people who don't necessarily have, you know, school loans or anything. Um, 
because at least you'll be making money from that. I kind of have a different opinion than you on the purchasing equipment part, because I think mm-hmm. for her, it might be more important that she decide whether she wants to do it as a business or not. I would guess that, you know, if she has $1,500 to spend and she's not sure if she wants to do a business or pleasure, that um, she doesn't know if she wants to do business or pleasure, which is totally reasonable. In which case, if you're just doing it for fun, I don't think I would invest in, you know, getting the Canon gear, getting a full frame camera. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm I'm absolutely with you. Just kind of what I took from what, what, uh, what was said about, um, like you seem to think, oh, she wants to do business and pleasure. And I kind of took, maybe she wants to do business. Maybe she wants to do pleasure. She doesn't know for sure. Mm. Um, so I think to clarify this, and this is, I'm going to kind of drive this, this uh, question towards this more, more, more or less. I think what it is, is um, the person wants to uh, start doing this as a business, but they also want to use the equipment for personal work, for pleasure. So, um, because I mean, that, that's very close to home for me. When I started out, I, uh, I was actually going out photographing a lot of things for fun, uh, kind of personal projects and, you know, always taking friends out on photo shoots and everything. But that wasn't for that wasn't for business. Right. That was literally just for pleasure, for having fun. And so I wanted to make sure that those photographs were actually quality as well. You know, I didn't want I didn't want to just to use my phone for snapshots like I do now. Um, I actually wanted to get a little creative and just do things for fun. So those things, those pro- projects weren't paying me anything, right? So that's, that's what I see. Uh, that's what I visualize when I hear photography for pleasure. But then for business, uh, it sounds like this individual is actually going to be charging money or working, you know, perhaps it's going to be a, perhaps this person's going to be a second shooter for weddings. Um, and that that's business, right? So uh, I know personally, if I'm hiring a second shooter who's, um, you know, perhaps not the most experienced person, but I, I just need an assistant for the day. Um, I would want them to have, you know, some sort of professional equipment, um, not because the equipment matters, but because the situation we're in might call for it and make my life easier. So that's, that's what I took away. Mm-hmm. But you do have a valid point. I mean, if you're, if you're just getting equipment for fun, don't go out and buy, you know, digital SLRs. It's you're just wasting. Yeah, I would just say go like mirrorless, like um, get a Lumix or like I think Olympus has some nice mirrorless cameras as well. They they do. Yeah, they Um, they have. And Canon, everyone has nice mirrorless cameras. Um, Canon's uh, mirrorless is is excellent. Yeah. Uh, The the new one. And Um, I think I forget what it's called because I'm not a gearhead. I think if you're not sure, um, getting the 5D Mark II would be perfectly fine to test things out. but I think you kind of have to have an idea of whether you want to do it professionally or not. Yeah. Um, since we don't have that information explicitly, exactly. I guess I'm going to talk in general terms. So, And that's excellent. I'm actually glad you did. Don't go out and get a loan <laughs> if you're not <laughs> sure that you want to do it professionally. Get some equipment. You could get... Um, you could get the mirrorless camera and just see if you like it or if you're good at it or if it inspires you. Um, and... Yep. Then maybe go out and get the other equipment if 
if you want to. I just mm -hmm. wouldn't want to see someone spend like $1,500 on used equipment and then like in a year it's like out of date and stuff and they really just want it for fun and I don't know. <laughs> well, the reason, the reason why I decided to recommend uh, the used digital SLR equipment is because uh, even in a year, you know, the lenses won't be outdated. So well, you're exactly. Not really you could update the body and everything if you decide to yeah. go the professional route. But if you just want to do it as a hobby, you're not going to want yeah. to be upgrading your equipment as frequently as a professional would. Um, <coughs> Absolutely. That's my only thought on that. No, and that's a great point. I, I completely agree with you. Um, one, one thing that I see some people doing, though, is that people who are considering doing this as a career, they want to try it out. Uh, a lot of people do get a mirrorless camera. And um, you really have to like that type of equipment because I've tried using mirrorless for weddings and I can't be bothered. It's just not fast enough. It's not as fast. Uh, it's not as capable as my, my current Canon equipment. Yeah. You know, but if, if you can do it, if you get mirrorless, by all means, stick with mirrorless and have fun. Um, I just don't think you get a lot for your money. You know what I mean? Maybe. Um, so, but <laughs> also uh, full frame. No one cares about full frame. <laughs> nobody cares about full frame. Your clients do not care about full frame. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, unless you are really going to go professional, um, and I would say, like, really go professional, I mean, like, make a significant amount of your income, like a significant percentage of your income from photography, then um, don't spend like unless your photography is supporting your equipment don't spend the money on the full frame equipment yeah absolutely i'm with you on that and uh, one thing that we have to realize is that these are tools of the trade and the biggest issue we have is that in my opinion is that a lot of people who are sort of the the gearheads the nerds the, the camera nerds whatever you want to call them people who are tech junkies, they really love the equipment, you know, that that's a totally different ball game then. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of these people start doing this thing, the, these things professionally, and they'll quite often, or when I say professionally, I mean, they start charging money for their services and they quite often invest way too much time, way too much effort. Um, and they don't charge enough. And so their hobby, if you will, uh, that they're spending a lot of money uh, on is not bringing enough revenue to even cover for for the equipment, and so they kind of you know stop doing it or they they sort of muddy the waters, um, taint taint the pool if you will, and they give a negative connotation to a lot of people wanting to start out you know, and they'll say like yeah I spent ten grand on on gear and in my first year I only <laughs> made ten grand but reality is that the, this individual still has a full time job. And really, they had no intention of kind of doing this professionally. So there's there's a there's no, it's not a fine line, but it, there's definitely two sides to this. Um, I personally, I'm not. I couldn't be bothered. I, I don't care if my camera is full frame or not. The equipment that I choose just happens to be full frame because of its capabilities. Mm -hmm. So if it had a crop sensor, I I would be happy with that. I don't. I really don't care because you're right. Your clients don't care and. Um, when uh, we were kind of talking a little bit about this, uh, about uh, blogs uh, doing uh, silly things like suggesting to their future, you know, to their clients, to the future brides, make sure you ask your photographer if they're using Canon Ugh. or Nikon, Barf. you know, exactly. 
<laughs> we can, we'll, we'll do a whole episode on that uh, fairly soon. Uh, but that's the reality is it doesn't matter what you're using. If you're good with it, you're good with it. Um, I've had uh, tradespeople show up at my house uh, who, you know, wh whether they were fixing something up or doing an installation or whatever, whatever it was, I had better tools than they do. But they were wizards with this stuff, you know, and I would never call them out on it. And I would never say, oh, you know, I changed my mind. Um, my, my, my impact driver is better than yours. I couldn't, I couldn't care less. I don't, I don't care. All I wanted to know is that my final product was better than good enough so that I could pay them and get them to leave so I can take a nap. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of a long-winded debate really at the end. Um, and you can see that uh, we actually have two uh, varying opinions um, and uh, both are correct. Uh, and, and unfortunately, you're going to have to kind of um, decide, is my investment going to uh, bring me money? And if it is, um, when it does, am I ready to upgrade it so that it makes my job easier and more efficient? And do I need to upgrade it really? Right. Yeah. So you got to think long term. But this brings me to a really excellent point and kind of what I hinted at that I wanted to talk to you about today. And it's, um, it's a reality that majority of the people starting um, a photography business, uh, quite a good majority, are not in it as their first initial career choice. Um, so a lot of the people who are starting photography businesses... Um, they started out as someone else. So they're actually in the midst of a full-time job, a full-time career, and they're sort of the weekend warrior. So what's your take on competing with individuals like this? <clears throat> I don't think I ever qualify someone as a photographer based on how often they do something so much Excellent. as how good they are at it, for example. That's awesome. So I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. There are definitely um, people I know of <clears throat> who are like, I'm a photographer. And they're like, for like the last 10 years, they've been really terrible. And <laughs> <laughs> like, they haven't learned anything. They've been really terrible full time is what you're saying. Not, not full time. They're part time people. <laughs> no, but then there's people like Melissa Cranny who works, but also does photography and she's mm -hmm. really good and she runs a legitimate photography business. So Absolutely. Um, I would qualify them differently for sure. Well, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with uh, being a weekend warrior and running a legitimate photography business uh, and still having uh, full-time work to fill your weekday. Um, the kind of business that I do, my, my photo shoots, I have more photo shoots during the week than I do on the weekend. Uh, because let's face it, weddings only happen on the weekend. So if I decided to be just a wedding photographer and I figured my stuff out, I figured out that, okay, I can photograph on a Saturday I can take Sunday off and then, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday after work, I can work on the images for a couple of hours and then spend the rest of the time on, on my family. You can, you can run a, a, a successful business doing that. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I actually encourage that because if you have the rest of the week free, you're just going to take naps all day, right? Hey. Like, uh, I mean, because <laughs> you, you don't have a choice. <laughs> um, but 
some people, um, and I'm going to use you in this in this instance, um, you there was a period where you started becoming quite busy, but yet you were still working uh, Monday to Friday, kind of nine mm-hmm. to five job. And one thing or the other was interfering with each other. So um, do you find that photography was interfering with your daytime job or was your daytime job interfering with your photography? Daytime job was interfering with photography. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that the minute you feel that way, that's when you should really start thinking about, you know, sort of hanging up the tools and going, going at it full time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if you feel that your photography is interfering with your full-time job, then please don't do it as a business. You know, you're, you're just going to burn yourself out and um, your photography is going to suffer. Yeah. And, and then you're going to give everybody a sort of a bad name, uh, you know, all your colleagues, because your clients will have a very bad experience and then they're going to think, okay, all photographers are like this. Mm-hmm. So um, it, there's nothing wrong with uh, passing the work to somebody else if you can't handle it if you do prefer to have a full-time job. And the thing is, being an educator, being in this industry for the amount of time that I've been, I've seen a lot of my former students, like yourself, and like other people that I'm not really going to name drop right now in case they're listening. (laughs) They've had really good paying jobs. Um, One of my uh, really good friends and a former student had uh, a job in the medical field. Um, And she was making good money. I'm like 50 plus thousand dollars per year, but she really wanted to do photography full time. And this job was getting in the way of Mm -hmm. being able to book more clients and things like that. So what, at what point do you decide, okay, I'm going to call it a good call it quits because I I think there's a legitimate fear, right? You're kind of looking at it and you're saying, okay, I'm only making 20, 30 grand a year here. Like, how am I going to survive on this? What, what am I going to do? How do, what do I do? Like, well, you'll have more time for one. (laughs) And I think that's exactly it is that people don't realize that you'll, you'll clear up uh, about 46 to 50 hours every week. Mm-hmm. And because I'm talking the fact that you have to drive to work, you have to drive home from work. Uh, and then you don't want to do anything hour. after work. <laughs> you don't want to do anything after work, but a typical eight hour job also gives you a half an hour or an hour break in between for lunch or let's say. Mm-hmm. And so you're literally, if you're working five days a week, you're wasting about 46 to 50 hours going to work, coming home from work, and then you're leaving yourself with um, 10 to 15 hours a week for to, to work on your business. And uh, that's not enough. That's no. not enough at all. Um, so, but again, what's the breaking point? Like, how do you, what do you think, Sophia? Like for you, was it, was it courage or was it money? What, what was keeping <laughs> you from, what um, was keeping you from literally going into your boss's office and saying, you know, like, F you, I'm, qu- I'm quitting, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm really glad that I didn't swear at anyone, but I was really yeah, unhappy too. with my job as well. So it kind of, that was motivating for sure. And one of the things that you said to me when we were talking about it, I believe we were at Symposium in London mm-hmm. and we had just had dinner and I was like, I want chocolate. And then we ate chocolate and then I was like super duper stuffed. But anyway, that's not really... <laughs> Why do I remember that day as being super duper stuffed as well? Because <laughs> we ate a lot of food. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but um, it was a great day. Yeah, you told me why not? Why can't you do photography full time? And I was just like, um, I don't know. <laughs> um, 
but like Drew Dudley in episode five, I think, talked about, um, you know, how crack. Um, wait, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> that a um, salary is one of salary the, is just as addictive as crack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. totally sidetracked by crack there. That was interesting. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, salary a salary is addictive. So, um, I mean, if you feel more comfortable working a full-time job if doing photography full-time gives you heart palpitations then you don't have to run a business on your own either you could also second shoot for people you could be like the best gosh darn second shooter around Mm -hmm. um if all you want to do is shoot um but if you want to shoot and edit and deliver and all that fun stuff then you could have a part-time business you could do like three weddings a season if that's something that you want to do or you could quit and you could go at it full time. Like there's yeah. so many options. You could be a hobby photographer. You can, you don't have to get paid for it. You could well, shoot for your own pleasure. So, absolutely. And, and nobody nobody should really point their finger at you and make fun of you. But the, the sad reality is that people out there will. Everybody, this this industry is kind of unique in the in the fact that it judges. It's really quick to judge you. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there, there's quite a lot of support, but the support happens on sort of the lower level, you know, the, it doesn't happen on the professional level as much. It happens on the semi-pro, semi-hobby level where everybody who's like-minded, like, just like you, who's starting out, they're going to give you full support and sometimes a little bit of a false hope. You know, you can do it, your stuff is great, go for it. But you you nailed it right on the head, Sophia. If Running a business gives you heart palpitations. If it gives you anxiety, if you don't think that it's something you can overcome <clears throat> or something you can handle, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, j- simple as that. Um, find find a way to work for somebody. Um, I know quite a few people who make a really good living second shooting. Mm-hmm. They charge anywhere from four to five hundred uh, on average just to be a second photographer with, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, added income here and there based on uh, overtime or based on other things that they can tackle, you know, maybe running a photo booth on another day or uh, what have you. And they literally just work weekends. Um, they're a stay-at-home mom uh, the rest of the week. And, you know, that this particular individual is a female and she leaves her uh, two children with her husband on the weekend <clears throat> who who's more than happy to spend time with them while, while she's working. And, uh, she, she makes an, she, she makes a majority of her income. Um, sorry, majority of the family's income just from doing these weekend, uh, warrior things. Yeah. And she does it legitimately. She, she charges, uh, taxes. She bills the client <clears throat> who is the photographer hiring her. And so she, she is running a legitimate business. And one thing that she does, uh, as a business, as a photographer, is she photographs newborns. Being a young mom, being having two children, she photographs newborns, and she orders quite a bit of stuff from me, like uh, canvases and prints. So I know that she's doing a lot of work, but she's also really good at selling the product, all right? Because like you, she's not giving away the farm and just giving people, like burning a disc, so to speak, yeah. giving people digital files and sending them off. So you have to sort of kind of question your ability as a business person and are you able to run a business and are you able to ask for ask for the sale you know but 
um, we're, we're going to be the first two people to tell you that you'll get a lot of encouragement from us and you should, you should only seek people who will encourage you to try uh, to, um, to do what you want to do. And if you try hard, you can do it. That's, that's the bottom line. But, um, quitting that full-time job, that's, that's, you know, if it's in the way you're going to have to just pull the trigger. Um, and if you're, if you're teetering on the fence, uh, wondering, well, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? What am I going to do? Reality is, um, if you don't, if you don't try it, you'll never know. (laughs) Is that, is that ego saying I quit? Yeah. (laughs) I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys. I'm going home. Um, and so the the sad reality is that you'll never know. And it's better to, I don't want to sound like a proverb here, but it's better to try and fail than to regret that you've never tried at all, you know? Um, it's kind of like uh, the advice I'll give uh, to my young cousin who's got a crush on a, on a girl Ooh. and he's too afraid to ask her. Yep. I'll say... You know, it's better to ask her and get get turned down. See, I need to work on that. Least, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> Actually, and, <clears throat> I have a book for everyone um, who is struggling with this whole idea. What are we of, supposed like, to do? Share this book? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna like tell you what it's called. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so right. that um, so it's called Grit by Angela Duckworth, um, and it's all about you know, um, well, hold on, what does it say? Something about patience and perseverance. Um, (laughs) Basically, it's about um, like having a passion, practicing that passion, getting rejected a million times, but not giving up and then eventually becoming an expert at it, for example. So Mm -hmm. she gives, gives lots of examples of people in the book who, you know, tried, 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 failed, 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 and then eventually like got some sort of a break or finally like jobs started trickling in or whatever. Um, so if you decide to leave your job and do photography full time, I hope you realize like you can't just quit in the first year because I think you would be doing yourself a disservice. Absolutely. It's going to be, I mean, people say like, yeah, two years, you're successful after two years. Well, you might not be making a whole lot of money. Like you might be making a profit after two years, but you might not be making like a livable income after two years. Um, and that's true. You may, you may not make enough to sustain yeah. uh, the, the quality of, of life you, you're looking for. Yeah. So um, it takes a lot of patience. Um, and basically what I'm telling you is you, if you keep working at it, if you practice, if you try, you're going to do it. Like you're going to have to learn new things. You're going to have to try new things and then eventually it'll work out. You just don't give up. We are not talking about acting here though, just for the record, like, (laughs) or like being in a band, right? Um, Some things require a lot of luck, (laughs) but that's true. If you are constantly learning and trying new things with a business, you're probably eventually going to do it. If you're approaching it, I, I, you know what just popped into my head is Dragon's Den and I just realized okay not everyone (laughs) (laughs) not everyone will succeed but photography is never a bad idea so um, no yeah and here's here's uh, something that I like to put into perspective for people Um, if I give you the task to open a restaurant and I said you have to open a restaurant you know your, your questions would be things like well what kind of restaurant well do you, I open a formal restaurant or a fast food restaurant? Do I open, 
a legitimate restaurant or what if I just get a food truck, right? And um, the food industry is, is really funny because you don't have to have great or bad food to succeed or fail. You kind of have to have a good location. You have to, you know, study your market and offer people certain things that they're looking for, for certain things they want. Um, if you decided to open an Ethiopian food restaurant um, in a city that has 1,500 people and there's already an Ethiopian food restaurant in the city, you're going to basically bury yourself. <laughs> or you'll bury the other business if your Ethiopian food is just a lot better. And I'm using Ethiopian food because I absolutely love Ethiopian food. Okay, it's not my favorite. It's not something that I go crazy about, but the amount of times I had it, I loved it. And the in London, uh, I'm only aware of one Ethiopian food place. And it's it's busy, it's busy enough, but I always thought, like, what if another one opened up? Like, would people all of a sudden go here or there, you know? And so the, the point I'm trying to make is that with just like with any business, like a food business, for example, photography business, you have to do some research. Mm -hmm. So before you decide to quit your job, do some research how many photographers are in the area. And this this is something that's going to shock you. There's going to be a lot. Yeah. There's a <laughs> lot more than the internet will tell you, too. <laughs> exactly. I'm literally... Dis I, yesterday, I discovered a photographer in Strathroy. Strathroy, that's a, a, a city that's 15 minutes away from me. I've never even met this person. But he's running a legitimate, successful, and a very good photography business. And so... The, the cool thing is I messaged him and I said, hey, how's it going? I would love to meet with you sometimes and, you know, just to kind of hang out, discuss some things and connect. And because I love doing that, I love connecting with other photographers. And he's, he actually said to me, hey, I, I actually just discovered you and I realized that you're a printing business and I would love to see some of your samples. Awesome. High five. You know, the, the, <laughs> this is excellent. This is so, yeah, the Internet's not going to tell you everyone who's out there because... Well, let's face it, you, you, people have enough uh, hard time finding your website and you're spending all this time on it. You think of how many websites they're not finding. Um, so that's, that's the reality. And um, if, there is, if you're in a small community and there's already 10 wedding photographers, maybe wedding photography is not the best thing to, to offer, you know? And if you absolutely want to be a wedding photographer, consider expanding your market. Mm -hmm. Consider marketing to neighboring communities and, you know, being do, offering something that others don't. Uh, offer the willingness to travel. Maybe pick up uh, some destination type weddings. Um, do something that sets you apart. Don't do something that you will compete directly with sort of a household brand because then you will really quickly miss your old job. You'll say, ah, I quit. I quit my job for this. <laughs> I wasn't getting a lot of clients when I had my full-time job, and now I'm not getting a lot of clients e either. You know, and the reality is we don't have a recipe for success. Uh, but I do believe that you know, if you if you try at hard at something, you know, you're bound to succeed. Um, one of uh, my college professors uh, said it uh, this way. He said, "If you throw enough shit at a wall, some of it's going to oh. stick." <laughs> Yes. And, yeah, <laughs> um, I've used that on you, haven't I? I don't know. <laughs> no. so. It just sounds so gross. <laughs> Doesn't it sound gross? You don't have to visualize it. And I just realized I did. That. I did visualize it. <laughs> just realized that we're talking. Our, our audience is a very visual community. <laughs> so imagine that. 
right? So all these people are imagining stuff sticking to the wall and like stuff. sliding down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. come on, Petro. <laughs> <laughs> but it puts things into perspective, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, and so that's that's the key. And it, really, if you if you can run um, a business uh, and sustain your um, lifestyle, if you will, and there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the dips, the ups and downs, and you'll find that it'll be it'll be harder some years. It'll be easier some other years. Um, well, and, and month to month is different too. So it's going to be so different. So, yeah. and we can expand on this, but really what I wanted this, uh, to do with this episode is kind of, uh, talk to you a little bit about some of the, some of the fears people might have. And, uh, uh I want to use this as a catalyst for future questions, future questions from all of you who are perhaps working full time, and uh, thinking about starting a, a photography business or already started a photography business and are doing both. So, you know, I'd love to hear from you and uh, get, get some uh, feedback from you and get some questions from you so that we can actually tackle these questions in future episodes and kind of give you a little bit of insight from our own personal experience. <clears throat> um, you know, j- sorry. Go ahead. I was just thinking, you know, all those like, courses and stuff that you'll see on Facebook since I, your your profile probably says you're a photographer or like oh, yeah. you went to school for photography or something. So you'll get those ads that say, start your own six-figure photography company. I feel like <laughs> those should accurately say, start your own photography company, which after 10 years may or may not make you six figures. <laughs> In the first year, it'll kind of suck. <laughs> yeah. Well, really what they mean is, you know, start your own photography company, start your own six-figure photography company, but don't forget there's a decimal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Good right. point. That's good, too. <laughs> so, so really, really, you know, I'm, if that's the case, I, I, I'm, I make seven figures now, and I'm pretty happy with that. Mm-hmm. You know, take that home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> take that. <laughs> Internet. Um, <clears throat> so one of the things you can waste your money on is a lot of these courses. Uh, there's no better... A, uh, alternative for real world experience. Yeah. And um, I encourage you to continue learning and continue developing your skills. However, you're, you're going to do better with a mediocre photographer taking you on a wedding than you will watching an online tutorial. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for any photography, like directly photography related stuff, I'd say just go out and do it. Like you can do some reading online and then go out and practice or whatever. I think for the marketing stuff, don't spend a ton of money on marketing courses, but you could for sure like sign up for all the webinars you want and listen to them and make notes and steal their ideas. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> and that's, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that, to tell you the truth, I still participate in a lot of these courses. Like yeah. it, whenever, whenever creative live has a free course and I have some time, I will watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I'm just like, Oh my God, okay. You're boring. I don't want to see us. Yeah. But a lot of times I just, I even love how they approach things. Um, just to hear it from a different perspective and to give me an idea. And for those of you who think that to be a successful photographer, you need to do it full time and only need to do that full time. Um, I'm going to crush all your dreams right now because now, I mean, I'm in the photography industry, but I technically have a part time job as an instructor at a college, right? It's, How dare it, it's you, exactly Petro. what it is, right? You're misrepresenting what, yourself. What was I thinking? <laughs> 
I know. <laughs> but, to, you know, for me, I, I, I'm still keeping it in the family, if you will. And if, um, if this was uh, a woodworking class, I would still teach it. You know, because I really enjoy teaching. I really enjoy being an educator. And uh, woodworking is something I consider myself being pretty good at and something I can teach. So just because I'm teaching photography doesn't mean that if I taught woodworking, I couldn't be a full-time photographer still, right? Uh, we have to kind of disconnect ourselves from titles and labels and just just consider scheduling yourself the amount of time that you need for tasks at hand <laughs> and... <laughs> You schedule a nap once in a while. Yeah, according I'm to having Sophia. a nap today. Yeah, yeah. Probably, probably a good <laughs> idea. And, um, and, and go in that direction. Um, you, will, you will soon find that you get overwhelmed with some tasks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you do nothing about it, that's mm-hmm. the thing. If, if, if there's something that's overwhelming you all the time and you do nothing about it and continue doing your business like that, you're going to get burnt out yeah. and you're just going to quit. <laughs> learn. Right? That's, learn. Learn. <laughs> So, um, can I sum up this whole episode in one very disappointing statement? Sure. Just do what you want. (laughs) Ruined episode ruined. Thanks, Sophia. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, I'll, I'll just add to that. Life's too short. Yeah. It's, you know. Do you, like, do you really like the idea of a nine to five job, like working most of the year so that you can enjoy, you know, well, you can barely, you can barely even enjoy your weekends because you have to, okay, this is what I thought when I worked full time. So I would work Monday to Friday, eight 30 to five. I would have an hour for lunch. When I got home, I would have to get changed into my sweatpants because, you know, real clothes are overrated anyway. Um, and then. I would have to make myself food and then I'd eat. And then after that, I'd have to start getting all of my stuff ready for the next day. And you know what you end up doing on the weekends is you end up running errands that you couldn't run all week because you were working. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you agree. Anyway, so (laughs) (laughs) it was just this awful cycle. And then like I would get a certain number of days off per year. Mm -hmm. Like that to me, um, you guys have probably heard me say this before, but I really enjoy having a flexible schedule, um, and having like a limited number of days off per year, oh, made me so angry. Like it was one Absolutely. of those, how dare you moments? Like, <laughs> anyway, I, I can't stand it. I, uh, I'm not the kind of person <clears throat> who can really, I mean, I'm, this semester I have all my classes scheduled for Monday. So all my classes are on a Monday, which is fantastic because I only have to drive in once a week. Um, now it's a very long day. I leave here at, you know, before eight o'clock and I don't come home until after 8 PM. But, um, but you know, that's, that's cool. Um, other semesters I have my classes, uh, divided into two days. And so those are dedicated days, but I have to admit if, if I only had my classes on a certain day for the rest of my life. I would have a hard time doing that. Um, and the reason for that is because now I, it's not really a flexible schedule. And if I didn't get the summer off, you know, if we didn't have the four months in between where, uh, basically May, June, July, August, where there is no, there is no school. Um, I don't know what I would do. I don't think I would do it. Yep. Um, I've, uh, the last nine to five job, if you will, that I had, 
was actually between 2002 and 2003, between my second year and third year of photography, I started working for a bank uh, in the sales department for uh, handling their MasterCard portfolio. And so one of my uh, jobs was actually retention. And I really enjoyed it because I got to talk to people all day. You're weird. I got, I got, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> I got to educate them on, on certain things. But um, uh, the fact of the matter was that I had just graduated from, from a two-year photography course. And I had no intentions of going back for the third year to major in uh, commercial photography which is what I did. I had no intentions. I, I literally just wanted to start working. And I, I learned from my mistakes because I'd say I did it for about six months and I was miserable. I was trying to do photography on the weekends, but once in a while this job would schedule me in for Saturdays. And I was trying to get some work done for the couple of weddings I shot. And I couldn't because they had scheduled me for the evenings and the night before I stayed up too late and I wanted to sleep in. And so my lifestyle was just terrible. Um, majority of my day would go to this job uh, on the weekends when family and friends wanted to hang out. I couldn't because I had to go do a photo shoot here and there. And I quickly realized this is not for me. I, got, I have to do it full time. But I wasn't ready. Um, I didn't have the discipline. And so I went back for the third year photography and I did a lot of work in that third year. So I actually started my business at the end of my second year. And um, in third year, I worked on the business while being in school, working on my uh, commercial photography major. And so <clears throat> now as an educator, when I'm faced with all these students in my class, I tell them, learn from my mistake start now start looking for work now you know and the sad reality is that majority of them are going to graduate and actually get full-time jobs mm -hmm. and they're going to be in the struggle of wanting to leave that full-time job for a full-time photography career but they're going to addict it to that crack that we call salary mm -hmm. and that that's what's going to happen so really we don't have a formula except we do have advice if you want to do something, go get it. Make an effort to do it, right? So if you wanted to do it uh, full time and you only set yourself a $1,500 budget, but you really do want to get, get this business off the ground, get going full time, then perhaps look into some sort of a, a loan to get more equipment but only get it once you need it. Yeah, you know? I was Nobody's just going to say, you yeah. don't need to have all of the equipment when you start out. <laughs> exactly. No, you know, rent some stuff, borrow some things, steal if you have if to. If you don't need steal. to. Like I've don't said, steal. like <laughs> day to day, the equipment that I use is two camera bodies and two lenses. And the only reason that I need two camera bodies is because I am too gosh darn lazy to change my lens all the time. So <laughs> like... I don't, I don't use my flashes all the time. I don't use my lights all the time. So mm -hmm. like you don't need all of the equipment when you start out. So I think $1,500 really is, is an acceptable budget to start. Absolutely. With. Just, and leave, okay. Leave yourself a couple of bucks here for memory cards. Oh, right. Yeah. You definitely um, need you know, those. A <laughs> couple of things like that. Uh, if you know, definitely get brand new memory cards. Don't, don't buy a used memory card. 
uh, and get some really quality memory cards with lifetime warranty. And even, even lifetime warranty doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. It just means they'll replace it because that's how cheap they are. Um, so get yourself a really good name brand like a SanDisk, for example. Th those, are, those are typically very good. I've had them not fail, uh, whereas pretty much every other card I've used has failed. Uh, Have at you least used much me. Kingston? Yes. Kingston has never failed on me. Okay, I was going to say, because they've yeah. never failed on me, and you were just about to give me a panic attack. <laughs> no, it's funny you say that, because I was about to say, and also Kingston. Now, Kingston, Kingston's actually pretty good. Oh, that's they what don't, I thought. I have don't both have Kingston the, uh, and SanDisk. I found that Kingston is generally less expensive. Much May less expensive. Maybe a little slower, but it, it, never yeah, a problem they, for me, really. You know what it is? It's, it, it all comes down to marketing. Kingston doesn't need to market their digital media, digital photography media, because the majority of their market is in other sort of forms of memory. Mm -hmm. um, they also sell memory to third parties that put it into iPads and computers and things like that. So they they really couldn't care less. They're sort of they're sort of the same as the Olympus of the industry. Um, Olympus actually makes a ridiculously good camera. But their marketing is sort of terrible. Um, it really is. Don't and the problem tell them is, that you said that. <laughs> I, I told them from the day I worked for them. I said, your marketing sucks. <laughs> so um, what do you think I was doing for them? I was doing... Telling was them that work. their marketing sucks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's, it, it, it all came down with just having the wrong people making decisions. Okay. You know, they, they're trying to market to a growing market. Uh, that sounds funny. <laughs> They're trying to market to a growing market of individuals who are in their 20s, I would say. That, that was our average consumer uh, was in their, in their kind of like 27 was the, was the average age for people buying our cameras. <laughs> but they had a 56-year-old making the decisions. And that, that matters. I don't even right? want like, to get into that discussion because we'll go off on yeah. a whole other tangent about my former job. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt. And yeah. And I mean, I've, you know, I, I mentioned uh, nine to five work and all that stuff. Um, if you if you can't handle a nine to five job, but you still need additional sources of income, there's actually nothing wrong with having multiple multiple streams of income. For sure. I currently probably uh, our family is probably sitting on about eight to nine different streams of income. <laughs> um, with uh, with Hannah's uh, job with Apple, with our photography, with our printing, you know, we have an income property. Um, I do work for other people, you know, like the, the these, mob. the mob. Yeah. <laughs> we can't say mob anymore. They have names, <laughs> they have feelings. Um, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with having multiple streams of income. And actually in the past, I've tried uh, starting other businesses that would have been sort of self-sufficient. And some of them were successful for a couple of years. And then literally as the dollar rises or as the market changes, they kind of had to fold. And that is the sad reality. But things like that, you know, those additional sources of income allowed me to not do a lot of work, but still enjoy a little bit of income to supplement uh, the time that I spent not working, but the time that I spent marketing my yeah. business. And so so that's, that's kind of my parting advice because, um, you know, I bet people are confused by now. They're like, you keep saying these things and I don't understand. What the anything. heck are we talking about anymore? Like, but I think the about? important thing is that we are reaching the end of my block of time for recording and I have to go eat so that I can take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent schedule. I love it. 
So I might send a screenshot um, to you of my schedule later on, and you're going to be like, oh. I think you should put it on our Facebook page. <laughs> no, because people or, are going to be like. Or group. Oh, yeah. You have so much going on where it says, like, my personal stuff's in there. So, like, walk with my friend. Hang out with another friend. Dinner with another friend. <laughs> Life <laughs> is so tough. <laughs> Jeez. Do you put maximum effort into everything you do? Is that why you're always worn out at the end of the day? <laughs> well, I, I really do have to nail this dinner. <laughs> I do start the day with a workout, so. <laughs> well, and that's excellent. I think I think if everybody did that, uh, we'd probably have uh, a lot more happier people. Yeah, but, it's true. Um, yeah, so uh, leave yourself time for, for things like that. And um, in the future episode, what I'd like to do is maybe actually go over, uh, kind of open up the the thought process and um, the day-to-day life of a full-time photographer. Mm -hmm. And I actually have um, somebody in mind that I'd like to bring on as a guest and uh, actually, yeah. Sounds exciting. And tackle this together. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Because um, really, um, there's there's struggles. There is uh, fears. it's, It's not so cut and dry, but it's also not so... Uh, glamorous as it might appear on the internet, uh, being a full-time photographer. There's a lot of uh, behind the scenes that we don't see and that our clients don't see. And, uh, you know, the reasoning behind charging a certain amount and, and whatnot. And that's that's what I'll leave you with. Um, when, when you are considering doing photography full-time and you're the kind of person who started uh, competing with your surrounding business, um, and undercutting and basically doing things for half the price, you you may want to rebrand and reconsider because, and may basically start new because you've probably just, you know, set a foundation for a business that can't sustain itself on the amount of money you're charging. Mm-hmm. So if your photography business is currently supplementing your main income, um, you're going to have a hard time switching flipping that switch yeah. so there's a lot there's a lot to it and uh, we'll get to it in a future episode but uh, thanks to Eric for our question um, thanks uh, everybody for listening and continuing your support on our uh, double exposure show group on Facebook and asking and suggesting topic ideas and episode ideas uh, we love you all um, and uh, I'll have Sophia mm-hmm. tell you a couple mm-hmm. of other Uh, bits of information about how you can get a hold of us and where else you can find information about the show. Yeah. Well, if, um, as Petro just said, you can share your feedback on this episode on Facebook at Double Exposure Show Group. And thanks to Benjamin Edward for our artwork and Ben Sound for our theme music. The podcast is released every Wednesday and you can find show notes for this episode at doubleexposure.show slash episodes slash 19. Don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a five-star review at doubleexposure.show slash iTunes. Tell your friends, share us with your coworkers, and we'll talk to you next week. Have you noticed that everybody we're thinking is named Ben? I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird. (laughs) Until next week. Insert audio.
audio inserted. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have to cut cut this out. No, please. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> don't leave it in. You can't leave it in. I'll start swearing so you don't leave it you in. You start swearing. We already have an explicit whatever you call it. Rating. Mm-hmm. Or-